everyone, and thank you for joining us today. Erin Carinanti here, Pingree Assistant Director of Athletics and Athletic Trainer, hoping you and your family are continuing to stay healthy and safe. Today, you'll hear from myself, Athletic Trainer Steve Spezio, and Strength and Conditioning Coach Mike Saracino as we discuss the topics of running, sprinting, and agility. We hope you have a great week. Please enjoy the ninth episode of the Pingree Performance Podcast. Hello, Pingree. Steve Spezio here. Um, here today with uh, Mike and Aaron. Mike and Aaron, hi guys. How are we doing, Steve? Hey, Steve. Good, good. All is well here. Um, just trying to talk a little bit more today um, on some things that we can do to stay fit at home. Uh, staying fit all the time, really, which is really what we're talking about, right? Performance in general. But uh, this is an easy one today for uh, people to be able to do while they're at home. Um, which is we're going to talk a little bit today about running and sprinting, maybe some agility stuff, uh, which can be applied to anyone trying to stay fit, but including all of our athletes. When we talked about plyometrics uh, a couple episodes ago, um, we mentioned work being uh, a product of force and distance, right? So theoretically, if we're doing some kind of some kind of work or, or pushing some kind of force over a specific amount of distance, the amount of time it takes during that doesn't have anything to do with the amount of work that we're putting, putting in. So walking and running over a specific distance is the same amount of work. Um, it obviously just takes longer to walk it than it does to run it. Um, but running and therefore sprinting, which is a higher level of that power output, right? Which is when we start to incorporate time into it also. Um, so when we talk about all of this, it really just has to do the amount of intensity, the amount of work that we're putting in, um, is, a, is a product of force and distance. But then when we talk about power and how we're outputting our power in terms of a sprint or a faster run, that's when time comes into play here as well. So why, are, why do we want to incorporate running into our normal workout routines? So if I'm not a runner, let's start with that. If I'm not a runner, um, but I want to start cross-training and putting some running into my normal work workout routine. Why do I want to do that? So, so I think when, when you're incorporating running, there's a couple of reasons to incorporate it just for general fitness. A, it's, it's uh, dramatically taxing on your cardiovascular, your cardiorespiratory system, right? You're, you're incorporating total body movements, whole body movements in a coordinated fashion, in a rhythmic fashion, where you can kind of dictate how hard you're working and kind of scale it up the range of heart rate zones uh, to elicit a really, really good aerobic energy system response, right? And when we talk about aerobic fitness, you know, we're talking about, you know, capillarization and increased oxygen supply to the muscles. And these are all good things, right? When we're talking about general health, right? The, typically, the healthier we are cardiovascularly, uh, you know, the less likely we are to have a cardiovascular event that could be detrimental to our livelihoods. So that's yeah, definitely so one reason. So not only for fitness, but also for car general cardiovascular health here too, right? The cardiovascular system is a system that we can train to work more efficiently, um, yeah. which will keep us in overall better health as opposed to, um, say, just weight training all the time, right? Uh, that it's it's another element of training when we talk about strength and conditioning this certainly falls into the conditioning category of uh, of all the things that that we we can and should be doing to um, keep ourselves generally more healthy let alone performance right and and that that's kind of that's kind of we just touched on kind of like that that 
uh, lower intensity kind of running, uh, you know, the distance, the traditional hey, go run three miles kind of running. I mean, th those are all the benefits of that. And, uh, you know, running can be used if you're a swimmer, we our our swimmers at Villanova cross trained running early on in their, in their, uh, preseason so much so that, you know, it took us time to figure out what the correct dose response with it was, you know, I mean, you know, for a swimmer who's typically not weight bearing to, to run, there were some overuse issues early on, but after about year one into year two, we kind of ironed that out. But, you know, there's, there's benefits across the spectrum in just running. You're incorporating whole body movements. You're incorporating, you know, not just coordination. It's not just a lower body thing. There's coordination in your upper body. Um, you know, the musculature of your back, um, to keep your spine upright, right? All of these things are functioning at the same time. So your, your bang for your buck with running is, is huge. Yeah. Which also means that we don't, running isn't sport specific, right? How we accomplish that running might be, um, and how we train that running might be, but even a sport like swimming, for example, can benefit from it. Um, so it's not a sport specific training method or a sport specific exercise just for track athletes or just for field athletes. Um, it's something that we can really incorporate across the board for, uh, anyone trying to stay healthy or perform better. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's funny too, when you can use it, when you're talking about sports specificity with it, uh, you know, a sport like football for example, right, where it's a, a lot of high intense activity, you know, six seconds or, or three seconds per play, right, and then followed by a period of 35 seconds of rest, but it's not really rest because you're, you're moving personnel, you're moving on and off the field, right, your aerobic energy system's functioning there. So one of the, one of the things that we were doing at Villanova with the football team was that we were training the aerobic system. In the summer, our guys were wearing 10-pound weight vests to mimic wearing shoulder pads, and we were running... Uh, you know, all different types of, of aerobic based interval uh, training, you know, we would do, um, you know, all different types of runs that that was really low brain effort, uh, and, and kind of low intensity. But you know, you get a football player to run for 15 minutes, you're, you're still boosting up that aerobic energy system, we saw great benefits from it on the field. And training within those energy systems based on what your specific sports are, right? Um, the other piece of that comes into what, what about our multi-sport athletes, um, yeah. ones who might have to train, you know, in the fall, they're playing one sport. So they're training for that sport in the fall. They might switch gears in the winter to a different type of sport. Um, and it just changes dramatically in terms of which energy systems are being used. So those athletes need to be able to train efficiently in all of those energy systems um, as their bodies and, and time of year are shifting uh, based on which period they're in at any given moment. You know, for example, we have a, if we have a cross-country runner who is then a wrestler, well, those are going to incorporate two really different energy systems. Um, so cross-training those systems aerobically, anaerobically, uh, are really going to benefit that type of athlete. Right. And we also know there are two things we know, right? That, that sport, uh, sport specificity and over-specialization is researched to be detrimental to the health of the athlete. Um, you know, that's, that's well proven. And then number two, also, uh, there is an age propensity for energy system utilization. So if you're 14 to 18 years old, you are more likely to be using your aerobic energy system, uh, than, than me at 38 years old, right? When I'm participating in activity, chances are, 
uh, you know, kind of a little bit higher up in the heart rate zone and this, that, the other. So there, there's two factors at play when we're dealing with youth athletes in training, for sure. So guys, you guys are talking about aerobic versus anaerobic exercises. Um, can you touch on that for our listeners in case anybody isn't sure what the difference is between those two? Yeah, and I'll kind of break it down. I'll break it down really quickly, kind of the way I break it down for my middle school um, uh, summer course that I teach is really sim simple. Our body has three gas tanks, right? There are three tanks of fuel, three different types of fuel that we that we pull from. Uh, and each of those gas tanks has a range of, of uh, effort, intensity, and time duration that it is bioavailable for us. But it's always, all three are working at the same time. We're just talking about predominancy of them. So you have your aerobic energy system, then you have your, your anaerobic glycolytic system, and then your anaerobic uh, lactic system system so don't get too caught up in the three names there but but the the lactic system is you're talking about zero to ten seconds of high effort intensity think olympic weightlifting think think a 50 meter indoor sprint uh those are the and that's the energy system you're predominantly pulling from then you have your your air uh your anaerobic lactic system which stretches that out now you can go kind of you know 30 60 90 seconds all the way up to three minutes but that's kind of at the three minute mark you're kind of hybrid between the aerobic system and the anaerobic lactic system so that 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 marks like a shift in ice hockey so if you're you're playing right in ice hockey traditionally when i was playing ice hockey we were doing minute to minute 15 shifts right that has since changed since the 90s and we've brought it down to 35 to 45 seconds per shift which brings us back down into that really good range of our aerobic uh anaerobic lactic system and then we have our aerobic system which is for three minutes plus so that's going to fuel you for an iron man that takes 15 hours that's going to fuel you uh you know for for running two miles so that's kind of it but also when you think about those three your air the health and the the strength of your aerobic energy system will help replete those other two systems when you use them so a healthy uh, uh, a really well conditioned individual we call this uh, sprint repeat ability can sprint takes very little time to recover and then they can go almost 100 percent right away again that's not because they're they have a, a healthy anaerobic lactic system. Anaerobic lactic system is really only 10% trainable, but it's your actual aerobic energy system that helps replete uh, that, that, that lactic system to be able to then be ready to go for the next effort. Yeah, and a lot of this is, um, you know, organic chemistry based uh, and, you know, way in depth on nutrition with, you know, based on how long we're training for and what intensity we're training for, um, are we using oxygen in our system? Are we not using oxygen in our system? Are we using um, glucose in our system? Are we using uh, lipids and fats in our system? And, and all of those things get, get uh, utilized and trained at different portions based on intensity and duration of activity um, exactly. as, we're, as we're doing all of the training. So, um, taking a really complicated uh, way of looking at things in terms of our energy systems of our body. Um, but the importance here is that, that breaking down all of those energy systems uh, and letting them work together will create the best possible outcome for performance and for health, uh, not only for athletes, but for non-athletes alike. Yeah.
Absolutely. That, I, you know, kind of like a quick aside anecdotally, that was a big shift. Uh, when I started training the aerobic energy system, more predominantly of the Villanova men's lacrosse team, I initially got a lot of pushback until they started playing. Once they started playing games and because the way we operated, we didn't, we really relied on 15 to 20 of our players and the other 15 to 20 really weren't, we weren't relying a ton on them. So those 15 to 20 who were getting a ton of playing time, they saw the benefits out of it. And, and that was, that was like that about halfway through my first season with them. That was the buy-in moment right there when they were like, okay, we trust him now. So obviously this is something that's easy to do in terms of uh, the ability to get off the ground with it, right? Especially if we haven't started, um, meaning that we don't need a lot of equipment. It's an easy thing to, to just be able to do, especially right now at home to incorporate into uh, any of our other training that we're already doing. Um, it takes... Uh, a, a strip of road and a and a pair of sneakers, right? Um, so get yourself some good running shoes. Uh, if you have questions about that, please feel free to reach out to us by any means. Um, but uh, get yourself a good pair of running shoes and a good strip of, of road that you can that you can work with, and you can start incorporating this right away. So, Mike, let's break this down into essentially the two halves that it is. Right, we've got a higher intensity. Um, shorter duration sprint type training that we can that we can work with, and we also have a lower intensity, longer duration uh, type of training that we can work with. So uh, let's talk about both of those and how we can incorporate them into our training. So when you're talking about sprinting, uh, let's kind of go why sprinting. In, in this is even for this is for field sport athletes. This is for even there. There are plenty of distance runners who do incorporate sprinting into their training or higher intensity running. And then this is also just for the general fitness of an everyday person. Uh, sprinting and sprint training, it's an amazing way to develop uh, your biomotor abilities, right? These are the abilities that we train in the weight room, mobility, flexibility, strength, power, and coordination. These are all things that can be trained just by, by sprinting, uh, you know, three to six repetitions of a sprint once a week. So I kind of just, I kind of just tipped my hand there. Um, but that's kind of how I would program it in for, for, uh, for a general, general person, I would say once a week, it's a sufficient amount of time to be sprinting and the distances can vary because in a sprint, let's say you have to define your, your distance first. I think for, for, for someone like me, who's not a competitive athlete, um, I think that a 60 to 70 yard sprint is something you should build up to, not just jump into. And I take it in segments. So I would say do some 10 yard acceleration starts. That equates to about three, uh, um, I'm sorry, five to seven steps total at 100% intensity. And the way you do that, um, a lot of people will start in a two point stance. It's just staggering your feet setting your arms and your back and going. A lot of other people will also do a drop-in or a walk-in where you set up you set up um, a, a distance five yards away from your start line where you just start walking. And then once you cross that threshold, you sprint for, for 10 yards, right? This isn't a tremendous amount of space. You could, I would prefer you not do this on blacktop. I would prefer you do it on grass, uh, a flat grass field. Um, and if you don't have that accessible, you probably don't even need to be doing that. Um, and then, uh, and then kind of building up and then 
once once I do do that for like I said five repetitions, six repetitions once a week, then I would build into some flying ten yards where instead of walking in, you set you start jogging in. So you jog in for ten yards, you accelerate for ten yards, and then you jog down. So you don't have um, the the harsh harsh forces of quick acceleration, quick deceleration. You know, we talked about this, you know, before we got on air, uh, you know, about the about the eccentric loading and, you know, isometric or, or amortization loading uh, of the joints. And that's kind of an area where you can get hurt. So what we're talking about here is start, stop and then restarting again. It's in that moment where you're starting with momentum and reaccelerating. That's where a lot of our non-contact field injuries are going to kind of occur. Right, we talk about that concentric, eccentric, that concentric motion is that shortening of the muscle. I know we've talked about this in some of our previous podcasts. Um, and that eccentric is that lengthening of the muscle. And like Mike mentioned, this is that eccentric is usually where you're gonna see a lot of your injuries in that deceleration phase. So what Mike is talking about where you're starting um, jogging, sprinting, and then going into that jog, you don't wanna stop right on the dime, right? A lot of the times, unless you are prepared for that with those strength exercises that have brought you to being able to stop quickly, you wanna make sure that you are slowing slowing down before you completely stop so you don't bring yourself into that injury. Uh, when we talk some of our field sports and sports that have to accelerate, stop fast, and change directions, we're also making sure that you're not only training running, but training your muscular strength as well. Yes. Yeah, so we're just taking, uh, when we're translating into, Aaron, what you're describing is being agility. Um, one, we're translating running and sprinting into agility. The only change here is that we're including a change of direction. So it's a start and stop and a change of direction. If we're moving in one, um, one direction, um, that would be, you know, going back to defining those those uh, types of exercise here, that would be sprinting or running. Um, as soon as we add a change in speed and a change in direction, now all of a sudden we're talking about agility, okay? Uh, and as we're, as we're incorporating some of that, being able, again, we go back to what we talked about with plyometrics, having eyes on, making sure we're doing it properly. Are we properly loading our joints um, eccentrically? Are we properly... Um, loading, are, are we properly changing our center of, of gravity? Um, are we properly changing our uh, our hip height as we're as we're changing direction, for example, right? Um, and if we're if we're moving properly to change directions, we're able to do so safely and efficiently, where we don't have to worry about it so much uh, in terms of the potential for injury. If we're training those agilities properly as well, it's kind of a little bit of a separate topic from what we're talking about today, but yeah. we're thinking we're thinking about in terms of um, uh, you know, just as we're incorporating some of these, okay, here's your training that you're doing in terms of sprint training. Um, how does it translate to the field? Change of direction is eventually going to become part of that too. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, kind of a lot of, uh, I'll, I've seen a lot of my peers, uh, in strength and conditioning when they start, they'll, they'll get their athletes back from a break. Cause in, co in a collegiate setting, you're dealing with, you know, summer break, winter breaks, all this. So when you get your kids back, you don't quite know where they are yet. And uh, I've seen a lot of my, my peers just jump right into agility training. And I've always thought that that was a big time mistake. Uh, I would build the sprint progression first. I would then then just bring in straight line deceleration. And then I would bring in agilities. And then right once they hit preseason, I would pull the agilities out. That is a very, there's a very, very high demand, uh, you know, on your joints. Uh, and there's just a lot of risk reward 
issues with that where it's it's one of those things where we can train it it's trainable but once you're practicing your sport and you're playing your sport you're inherently doing agility based movements just in a sport specific fashion that will be more it'll be better for you to adapt that way anyway than to be you know running around cones on the field and i think this is a little bit what we have to think about now like you mentioned right you're used to when you get kids back from breaks and from winter break or spring break this time that we're in right now is somewhat of a break while we're not looking at this stay at home as a break we are looking at it as a break for our body and our fitness and our sports so if you are at home training this running this sprinting like we're talking about now that's going to help prepare you to come back um, when we get back into sports and into the uh, into our um, back onto the field definitely all right so let's switch gears here yeah. um what about our endurance athletes out there okay um people who are our cross-country runners, our distance runners in general, the marathons and half marathons and 5Ks and triathletes. Um, how, what, what does running mean to those types of athletes as opposed to training for a field sport, for example? Yeah, well, you know, running, running is, is definitely going to be a little different. They're going to be using a, a different setting. You know, I mean, if you, you know, if you're an endurance kind of kind of runner you you typically have you know your runs where you have might, might have shorter runs uh throughout the week building up to one longer run a week right but like their their intensity is typically not actual exertion intensity it's just more tacking on uh duration or distance um at the end of it so i know a lot of a lot of marathoners will typically make their hard day either saturday or sunday which is a longer ish run you know they'll keep their runs during the week 30 45 minutes and then that 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 hour, hour and 15 minutes, hour and 30 minutes um, on the weekend. But, you know, there, there are so many ways to break into it. If you're starting at the ground floor, though, like a simple run-walk program, and, and Coach Scott has one that he, he swears by, and he's kind of prescribes out to the kids. So I encourage you, if you're interested in just starting, Doug Scott is a great resource. Uh, for this because he's gone through it uh, a lot more than I have. So, you know, starting with the run-walk program, starting with an interval where you have, all right, so I'm going to run at X pace and uh, I, I'll throw one out there. Let's say I'm going to run uh, at a, a, uh, a nine-minute mile pace and then I'm going to walk. I'm going to run at that pace for three minutes then I will walk for a minute and a half. Or I'll run at one minute and I'll walk at one minute, depending on where you are at physically and what you can tolerate, you know. So, it's, it's hard to just give you throw out like, hey, this is where you start, this is where you stop. But I would definitely start with a run walk and, and then decrease your walk time as you increase your running time and stretch that out over the period of a few weeks. I think that's just kind of some good general, general guidelines. I've seen a lot of training programs that uh, incorporate instead of a specific distance, a specific time, and you, you shoot for a specific time. Um, you know, and, and don't worry about distance so much. And even if that time doesn't include, you know, like you said, a run walk progression, um, you know, that you're, you're utilizing a certain amount of time for, uh, to fill that time with whatever that activity is at that time. Yeah, absolutely. And the best, and, and, and the best part about that is if you're, if you're doing 20 minute runs, you're going to know you're getting fitter when over the course of that 20 minute run, you've gone from covering two miles to 2.2 miles to 2.4 miles and so on, you know, um, 
So uh, that's that's definitely a good way to go about it, and that's kind of that's the way I would recommend as well. Yeah, exactly. So so in in tying, let's let's kind of quickly talk about tying this all together because we have student athletes at Pingree who inherently do both with their sports. If you're a field sport athlete, chances are you're walking, chances are you're jogging, and chances are you're sprinting. And they all kind of tie in together. So earlier on, it would benefit you to train, you know, start working on the light sprints as you as you build your in your aerobic endurance. And if you are on the boys or girls across team, shout out to you because this is what we do in the winter. Um, every winter we do this where we're we essentially build yardage and it's it's a process i have a specific way in which i do it which i do not want to get into but i just have to do it so i can make it measurable so when the coach comes to me and asks me hey are my kids getting better i can say yes look at the trend this is that this is when we get back from thanksgiving and this is before we take off for our holiday break now and that brings up an important part too where normally this is a uh... Uh, especially for our teams, that this is going to be under the guidance of our strength and conditioning staff and team coaches. Um, but it's important to remember that, again, these are and should be parts of a, uh, a, a full training regimen. Now, even for our running specific athletes, um, they should still be in the weight room doing their normal weight training to build these muscles that we're going to be using um, to build the stability and the flexibility and all that that comes along with it. So running shouldn't really be the only thing you're doing, even if your sport is only running. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's especially important for our, our distance runners who get a tremendous amount of time. They get, they get a lot of, a lot of repeated movement in one, in, in, in one, one movement that, all right, well now all of a sudden, you know, my hip flexors have tightened up my hamstrings, my hamstrings don't feel great. And, you know, my calves are on fire and my interior tibialis doesn't feel good. I think I might have shins, but it cascades down. And then next thing you know, you're dealing with a stress reaction. Um, and a good way to stem that off would be just a general uh, strength training routine uh, in, in the weight room or at home, as long as you can provide yourself with the uh, adequate resistance to, elicit your body and, and that remodeling of your, your, you know, your muscles, your tendons, your ligaments, all that fun stuff. So, um, I, I find especially the, uh, the shin work and the hamstring work goes a really long way for our distance athletes. Yeah. So we always want to find that balance, um, for our athletes in general, somewhere between, you know, the balance, the balance of muscles and miles, right? How do we, how do we balance out our conditioning with our strengthening? So balancing out the muscles and miles. Uh, now, Aaron, you know, Mike just touched a little bit on the possibilities of some overuse injuries that could happen here. Um, especially when we start talking about, uh, the distance runners and it is a repetitive motion that happens over and over and over and over again. Uh, over the course of especially let's say a week for someone who's getting miles in over a week uh, we're obviously going to put ourselves at risk for uh, overuse injuries specifically um, what can we do to try to prevent that and what should we do if we start feeling any of that coming up well i think it's a lot of the things we've talked about where it's cross training making sure you are not just running long distances every single day. And I know that our cross country coaches do a good job of this where it's different 
um, different types of running exercises each day. I know they get into CR strength and conditioning coaches as well. Um, but making sure that we are strengthening our muscles, um, that concentric, eccentric that we spoke about, but also stabilizing, right? Stabilizing our joints, making sure that our joints are stable. So we're working on our core stabilizers, we're working on our trunk, um, we're working on all of that to make sure that our body is able to handle the forces that it's getting. So um, rehab type exercises, making sure that we are, if we feel pain, we're we're icing, we're making sure that if we're feeling pain while we're running and then we stop, that might be okay um, unless it keeps happening, right? So learning the difference between that discomfort and pain, right? Being uncomfortable um, and that discomfort stops when you stop is something that we're okay with um, initially. But once that pain or discomfort continues when you stop, that's when that's some that's when we need to worry about something like that. We need to stop what we're doing. Um, you guys can reach out to us for a consult. Um, that's where we need to make sure that we are listening to our bodies. Listening to our bodies is probably one of the most important things that we need to do um, just to make sure that we are giving ourselves um, the support that we need. I'd also say for the majority of people here, it's important to remember that running takes discipline. Um, not many people enjoy running, um, but, you know, and, and a lot of sports look at running as a, as a punishment sometimes too. Um, so I think it's also important right now to remember that when your coaches are usually pushing you into doing some running, it's obviously for a reason, right? And it's for all the reasons that we talked about here today. So um, hold yourselves accountable right now and get your running work in, uh, even when it's easy not to. And don't just jump into that three-mile run if you're not a runner. Yeah, that's right. a great way to hurt yourself. Understanding your body, knowing your limitations, starting with the little things that we were talking about that Mike was talking about with yardage, with time, uh, making sure we're not jumping right into a two, three-mile run if we are not runners. Because like Mike just said, that's the perfect way for us to hurt ourselves. So easing into it, making sure that we are listening to our bodies um, is the most important thing. And eventually you'll get your um, ability to get there. Mm -hmm. And also, I just want to quickly touch on like the rule of 10%. There's, that's an important thing too. It's like progression, right? How did we address progression? Well, the rule of 10% will kind of dictate that. I ran, I ran for 20 minutes. I covered X, X amount of distance. You don't want to cover more than 10% of what you did last week, right? So every week, if you're covering, let's say you're covering two miles, right? 2.2 miles over the course of 20 minutes, it doesn't sound fast and it's not, but it's somewhere and it's somewhere better than you were last week. Uh, we, we have this and this happens in the weight room as well. We have this unrealistic view that's like, well, I've trained for two weeks, therefore I can do this, this unsurmountable task uh, and that's where we run ourselves into trouble. That's where we get stapled on the bench press and, and someone has to peel the bar off your chest. Um, that's where that's where we we hurt our knee when we're, when we're running. Um, so it's really important. The rule of 10% is huge. And then also never change more than one variable. So, you know, when, when we're talking about training. So what are variables when it comes to running? Once again, distance, time. Don't change. I'm going to cover... Uh, uh, so I covered 2.2 in 20 minutes last week, this week I'm covering 2.7 in 19 minutes. 
right? That's, that's you're affecting two variables now. And A, you can't backtrack and figure out where your mistake was in your programming. That's number one. And then two, you're putting yourself at a greater risk to hurt yourself and then you're out. Yeah, I mean, it's never a good time to get yourself hurt, but now is especially not a good time to get yourself hurt. So, um, you know, we always want to try to do these things, especially the things that are preventable in terms of injury. So train hard, but make sure you guys are training smart too. All right, well, get after it. Um, get your miles in. Uh, start incorporating some of this into what you guys are doing. Um, and obviously reach out to us as always with any questions or concerns or, uh, ideas or suggestions that you guys may have for us. Um, we're here. Um, other than that, Mike and Aaron, thank you guys. Thank you. We'll see you next time. We'll see you guys on the next episode. Fight on three, fight on three, one, two, three, fight!